Welcome to another episode of the Dentology podcast where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. Welcome to another episode of Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. And today we're joined by the founder of Ice Correct, Harry Patel. Hi, Harry. How are you doing? Not too bad, Andy. Yourself? Yeah, very good indeed. So you good set stuff. Ice Connect back up in 2003 and you provide right. IT support systems and phone systems to small and medium-sized businesses with a niche in dentistry. That's you, isn't That's it? Right. That's right. That's right. And uh, I'll tell you what, I started off as a one-man band. We're now at, I think the count is 14. We moved into new offices last year. And I tell you what, it's amazing. Business has never been so fun to do. When you're a one-man band, it was a lot more difficult and everything fell on your shoulders. And having a team has been amazing. And yeah. it's allowed, allowed, allowed us to expand quite nicely, actually, in the last few years. So it's good. And, and we can good. see you're in your nice new offices now. We exactly. Are. We just moved in last November. It was a bit of a challenge getting here, but we were in here last November. Obviously, COVID and all that played its part. Um, but yeah, no, the team absolutely loved the new offices. And it's interesting what the new office space has done for team morale and the, mm. the environment we work mm. in has helped build a better team and it's attracted a better can- caliber of staff as well, mm. which is amazing. As well. But I know we, we had a conversation before you moved because you know that we refurbished our, our office and, and you were right. saying kind of how did that That's work right. and how did it go? And I think it does. I think it says a lot to your team, but also the profession and the industry you work in that says we're investing. You know, we yes. want to get better. Mm. And I think we spend so long together in our office. It's only right that we should provide conditions in an environment that, one, we want to be in, but also our team working with us. Because if yeah. they're inspired by the space and they feel comfortable, you know, they're going to be happier in their work, which means their clients get better results and you as a business get better results. So there's no downside to it at all. I think I think the other thing that also leads into it, it leads into talking to you, Harry, is the fact of I think sometimes there's a recognition, isn't there, as a business owner that actually um, it's not your bag. <laughs> uh, you know, you, uh, you look back at us yeah. and when we first saw built our first office we sort of like did the planning which yeah. was like buy a desk buy a chair buy a filing <laughs> cabinet get a computer and a phone and and it's when you then realize that you sort of have to say actually this isn't what i do really well i need to engage yeah. someone else to do that because the danger is i just sort of like i'm you know bumbling around mm. when there's better solutions which actually are probably more cost-effective solutions yeah. uh, so i think it's the fight same with everything you know it's worth paying the money to engage someone who's going to look after you and do it properly yeah, no, absolutely. interestingly enough when i first moved out of the spare bedroom of my house where i first started up and i went into an office space it was a serviced office and i just about crammed in three desks in there and i was like if i was the indian this would have been a multi-story office space with a floor above and everything you know stuck as many people as as i could in and to be fair up until maybe last year that was the mentality you know buy the cheap desks get as many people as you can in and and we got to a point where the way we want to grow the business the way our business mentality was and and it, it now occurs to me my office is an extension and a representation of the business we're in and, and then the business we do and if that's not a nice, enjoyable environment, then no, your team's not going to enjoy it. And you're going to attract a different type of clientele. Already, just having a sign outside, we're, we're just off the main road here, and just having a sign outside and people driving past all day every day can see this sign, especially because it's lit up at night. 
And when new clients call and they say, oh, I know where you guys are. I see you guys all the time passing your office, mm. what have you. So it makes a massive difference. It makes does. a massive difference. It does. And you're right. You have to get the experts in to plan the office space at some point. Now, it's no longer a case of let's just buy a few tables and chairs off the internet. Mm. Mm. No, I think you're right. I think that whole knitting together with brand values, it says a lot about um, who you are. But also, I think it's a statement about the future. You know, it's yeah. an investment yeah. today because this is where we are, but where we where we're we going. So no, I think yeah. it's a it's a great thing. Great I think that's thing the key do. word, and it's an investment, not a cost. Exactly. It's always an investment, not yeah. a cost. I, I say yeah. that to Mrs. Acton all the time. <laughs> you make a lot of investments, Caroline. <laughs> but you know, you, you you say that a lot of dentists, I think they're the ones who'll appreciate the most the costs of running a practice, putting in new chairs, refurbishing oh, yeah. a practice, all of that. This sky high, and in comparison to not to belittle it, but putting a few desks, chairs, and tables around around the place, theirs is also a bigger investment. So you can understand they understand that there is an investment, yeah. and when they see that in your mm. company, they're better placed to appreciate what you have done for the organisation. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. And I hadn't appreciated yeah. that. Obviously, we started working with you in the mid two thousands, and and. I had appreciated yeah. that you you were so young as a business when we started working with you. No, so I think sure. it's probably testament to how you presented yourself and, and what you had to offer. Um, but that was quite early days for you. And I think that we started out that we kind of moved over our kind of hardware and software to you. But mm-hmm. now I joke that other than the fridge, everything else in the business that plugs into the wall, you and your team look after. Because you it do our, is, you, the it? thing yeah. that you do, you do our hardware, you do yeah. our software, you do all of our telephony, you manage our broadband for us, um, yeah. all of our security systems, all of our backup, all of our remote services. And gee, in the last year, we've been so heavily dependent on all yeah. those remote services. So yeah, for, for us, we never thought of you as being like a guy that we use to buy stuff in. You, you are like one of our partners without a shadow of a doubt, because if we're going to make a decision that involves technology, you know, we're going to have that conversation with you first off because mm. we, we might have ideas, but you're then going to go, guys, actually, that's a really bad idea because you should do it this way or that way, or have you thought about this? So you, you are absolutely one of the people that we see as being kind of on the inner circle when we're thinking about in our business. Technology's Thank changed you. so much, hasn't it? That yeah. You, you remember the guy we had before, you know, that little small bloke who oh, came from yeah. Kent or something and was trying as you yeah. tried to do anything. It was like, yeah. <sighs> whereas <laughs> when we moved to you guys, it was like a, a revelation. We never really knew IT companies could be that efficient. Well, you've just rolled off an entire list of IT stuff we do for you. We mentioned lease lines, the phone systems, your security, your backups, your servers. And as you're reeling that list off, I thought to myself, I was like, wait, I actually used to do all of that myself, me, myself, and I. I think when when, um, you joined, we had a team of about two or three at that time as well. Um, And then in and amongst all three of us, we used to do all of that individually. I look back at those times and I think, wow, how, I, I couldn't believe I most probably did mm. all of that. Now we have dedicated people. Here's a security team. Here's, a, here's your you know, connectivity team. Here's a server team. Oh, man, I can't even fathom it's that. It's amazing how it's moved on. Amazing how it's moved on. I thought on. he was going to say that to put our price up. <laughs> so today we're going to have a chat about managing a crisis so the whole underbelly of this dentology podcast is to basically share information 
for the the business side of dentistry. There's 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 loads of clinical information out there, but ultimately people are in business. So we thought it'd be useful to have a conversation about managing a crisis, mm. specifically from an IT perspective. And there's a, there's a specific area that I'd like to pick on a bit later as well. But I know from our own experience, we had an IT crisis yeah. because our server basically died and from recollection i think there were three drives in the server and i think you always say that the one might die but a couple would survive and we were in an extraordinary situation where two of those drives never happens never happens two drives and and uh, you know for us having you your guys turn up on site um you got us back up and we were back up and running within 24 hours we needed new hardware you recovered all the data that we thought was lost but you managed to recover it this was back in the days when i guess the the backups weren't as routine and regular as uh, systemized as, as they are now it was many years ago and that that at that point i think we really appreciated the importance mm, of having good it support yeah. but also crisis gets managed well when you've got preparations in place in anticipation of a crisis. So if it never comes, you never have to worry. But when it did come, you were well set up and prepared to to help us. And And calm. Well, yeah, there was no drama about it. (laughs) There was no, like, flapping. There was like, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll we'll get on to this and get this sorted. There's a fine balance here. And a lot of pretty much every business we deal with are small to medium businesses. So the systems we had in place with you, without getting too technical, you had a server, three drives, one went faulty, as you said, and a second one went faulty. When two go faulty, you've literally just lost all of your data on that physical unit. So essentially, we had to restore it from backup. Um, There's a very fine balance between the size of business, how much you spend, and the type of protection you want on your data. Now, you've got to remember the larger organizations can throw millions of pounds behind something like this, but small businesses can't afford to do that, but they still need a level of protection. So in your scenario, the best solution was a cloud backup, get your data, put it into the cloud. So if it ever needed retrieving, we could restore it from the cloud. There were two options. There was a local backup and a cloud backup, which is which is why we were able to recover your data so quickly. Um, but there is that fine balance. You could have had a scenario where you had not only those hard drives all mirroring each other, but another physical server mirroring your main server. You know, it would have doubled your cost on your infrastructure, doubled your cost on the software side of things, for example. But you'd have been a lot more redundant. There would have mm. been almost zero chance of you having mm. any downtime whatsoever. And this is the biggest question we try to answer for clients is where is that line of you know what is affordable and reasonable as mm. a spend to my business for that level of protection and it is really a case of every customer is individual every client is individual i'll give you an example you might have you know a surgery with a practice with one surgery where there's one surgery you're not going to be spending 10,000 pounds a year on, on backups for example but now you go to the higher end practices, which might have maybe say eight to 12 surgeries in there. Suddenly 10,000 pounds a year, not saying that is the figure, but it seems a little bit more palatable mm. because yeah, it's proportional. the volume of data yeah. going through it, a lot more proportionate. So you have to make it reasonable for everybody. And in your scenario, you had what I thought was a reasonable backup. Evidently it proved to be correct. Yeah. Um, 
you had a local backup and, and a cloud backup, and that seemed to do us well. And with, with an increased reliance on IT as, as times go, if you imagine you know, the amount of, you know, just in draw scanners, you know, the digital imaging that they're creating, the files yeah. are just getting bigger and there's, there's more of them. Um, do you find that clients are, as their reliance on IT increases, is their understanding of the protection they need increasing in line with it based on what you said? Yeah. So, because there's loads more IT in, yeah. in businesses generally, specifically within dentistry, but are they, are they kind of also expanding their understanding of the potential issues that could come down the line with IT as well? I think it's, if I was to be perfectly honest, I think it's gone in the opposite direction. And the reason it's gone in the opposite direction is everybody is saying, oh, all my data is in the cloud. A lot of these software packages are moving to the cloud. Um, for example, you, you've got SFD, you've got Dentally, not endorsing any of those, not saying one's better than the other, but they're two cloud-based platforms versus your software of excellence and your R4, which were based in-house and you needed, to some degree, a server in-house to run these. Because they're in the cloud, everybody thinks, oh, it's all in the cloud, don't need to worry. Think, things as simple as your Office 365 is in the cloud. Things as simple as your SharePoint, which is a file share for organizations, is in the cloud. So people are now oblivious to the idea that that needs protection. They think it's in the cloud, it's being protected. If you look at the terms and conditions for pretty much all of these companies, starting with Microsoft, the largest email provider in the cloud for companies being Office 365, Microsoft 365, it says specifically, we do not back up your data. So let's look at the worst case scenario. You delete the mailbox. You have someone who maliciously comes into your company and starts to delete emails and starts to wipe things. And you find out several weeks or months later that they've been doing this. Um, or a worst case scenario, and don't say it won't happen, you know, Microsoft's system all goes offline and, and suddenly they've lost all of your mail and all your mailboxes. Then what do you do? The terms and conditions state they're not reliable, uh, responsible for any of this. Right. So no company thinks that until we educate them on this. It needs backing up, and it needs backing up <coughs> by a separate service, a third-party service, and it needs to be done. If you have in-house equipment, that decision is a little bit more expensive to do. So you will have to put a separate backup in for your server and for your data. But to answer your question... If someone had an in-house server with all of their data sitting in-house, they will be attentive to the idea that, yes, I need to back this data up somehow. But as everybody starts moving to the cloud, and especially over the last 12 mm -hmm. months, as many people as possible have tried to move to the cloud mm -hmm. where they can. It just supports remote working. It supports people accessing data, patient information from home where they don't have to turn up to the practice. And, and Harry... Um, do they have yes. to be careful about um, where that data is stored? I seem to remember you saying once that, you know, the danger is it's stored in America, which means it's not subject to UK laws. Is that still the case? And do people have to be, do people have to be aware of that and think about that? Or is it just something they don't think about because the cloud is the cloud? So this, this is another important point. Um, a lot of cloud providers are US-based. And with GDPR coming into force here now, it means that they've almost specifically endorsed the idea that you have to have your data stored in the UK and or the EU, depending on the type of data. Where you're dealing with patient data, 
it would be a very difficult argument to say my data is stored outside if anything was to happen. My strong advice is store it in the UK. Um, there's no reason why you can't. When you're backing up data, it needs to be backed up and encrypted whilst it's being backed up encrypted while uh, during the backup process, during the storage process. These are all GDPR essential requirements. So when you look at it, that's what they're going to ask for. Cyber essentials also ask for this kind of stuff as well. So yeah, to answer your question, store mm. it in the UK. Use a backup provider which provides right. a UK location. Just because the company is UK-based doesn't get located. How many people know that? I mean, that's a that's a real nugget that you've oh, given. And yeah. I, I, I wonder, yeah. not just dentists, but how many business people mm. just don't even think about that stuff? They generally yeah. don't. They generally don't. It's, it's not something they... First of all, to get them concerned about backups is a difficult job in itself. So when you then have the conversation of where it's stored, is going to be another conversation. And and look, frankly speaking, it's more expensive to store data in the UK than it is the US, um, even though your data has less of a distance to go, purely because there's a million providers in the US doing the same thing. So competition rules de- determine the price to be cheaper. Here... There's not as many people but it's, but it's like lots of things higher. in life, isn't it? Those those issues kind of don't raise their head until there's yeah. a problem. You know, <laughs> we had a scenario where um, one of our guys was arranging life cover for somebody um, yeah. and the person had gone online and found something significantly cheaper. But the scenario that the person had to, to die in was so extraordinary, this policy would, would be very wow. unlikely to pay out. And actually yeah. what they needed was something bespoke. And I guess we all fall into that trap. And I guess in many ways, anyone who's searching for anything based on price probably mm. isn't the sort of customer or client that we're looking for anyway. And if no, that is no. their that is their primary driver. And I guess from what you're saying, I guess the perfect solution is to avoid an IT d- disaster. That, that's the perfect solution. But the real world being what it is, that isn't going to happen. So I guess the stage from there is you then have a disaster recovery plan to say if it, if it hits the fan, what do we do yeah. to get it fixed? And is is speed the, the the most important thing in addressing it? In that, if there's a an issue of some sort, is moving quickly important, or is it is it as important to not move too quickly and thoroughly understand the situation before you take any action? Before I come on to that point, a very important point we should realise is when you're looking at normal businesses. If I make an inquiry with your your company, for example. You'll grab my name, my email address, my phone number at best, and God forbid you got hacked and someone stole that data. Okay, they've now got my mobile number and my email address and my name, maybe even my address, my home address. That's the worst case scenario for your business. And a bit of Googling around, a bit of hunting around, it's not too difficult to find any one of those things. When you look at dentistry, you're looking at private, confidential, personal medical history. And it may not just be limited to dental history because dentists have to collect the whole medical history for patients. Mm. If anything was to happen to their data, if their building got hacked, their, their computers got hacked, their backups got hacked, or they were stored in the US and that US company got hacked, you're looking at a worst case scenario of someone's personal medical information being exposed. So the danger element of that is a lot higher than the risk of your data getting hacked, which is why dentists need to be a lot more aware of who's backing up their data and where they are backing it up. It's much more important for them 
than it is mm. for other normal businesses. So they have to put a higher priority on this stuff than, than any other business. It's a higher value, isn't it, I suppose? If if you had a GDPR complaint or if you had someone with yeah. ransomware or stuff like that, that's probably a higher value than, than our data or a normal business data, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And when, when the ICO office do an investigation into any data which is hacked or, or which is exposed to the public, they will look on that weight of the type of data that has gone and they will fine accordingly based on that. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you can be fined two it's, or three times it, your turnover. I, think, I, I was going to say, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's based on turnover and I'm yeah, not sure yeah. it is. It's either two or three times, which, yeah. you know, uh, say a dental practice with, you know, 500,000 pounds of revenue, which isn't extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Uh, at all, no, um, no. you could be looking at somewhere between one and one point five million in terms of yeah, for, for, yeah. for a data breach, and that that brings it into stark focus, doesn't it? In terms of how important it is to make sure you've got systems that that are yeah. bankruptcy. Know, well, it is bankruptcy and out of business. That is, yeah. you're, you're at the point of finishing at that point, aren't you? I yeah, mean, you're not to mention the patients you're going to lose after they find out you've lost all of yeah, their yeah. data. You know, so yeah, definitely. Yeah. But to answer your question of what to do in an event, speed is of the utmost importance. So depending on what's happened to you, I mean, if you've had a hardware failure, such as your scenario, mm. if you've had a hack and your data has been stolen or, or it's still happening, um, speed is of the utmost importance in any one of those scenarios. In a hardware failure, the faster you act, the more data you could save. In a hacked scenario, the faster you act, the less data is going to get stolen. And, you know, in any simple scenario like that, it is very important to act reasonably fast. And again, that will be part of the guidelines which you put in. Most companies should have some sort of disaster recovery policy uh, or, or some sort of policy to say, you know, this is what we do in the event of a major major outage or, or major hardware failure. Speed mm. is perhaps the most important yeah. thing there, yeah. And, and I want to come on to um, ransomware in a minute because just on, on that specific mm. point, it, there seems to be a kind of increased um, mm. uh, cases across dentistry. But before we get to that, uh, we were talking earlier in the week and, and you used a, a phrase that, that I wasn't particularly familiar with, but it was called social engineering. Um, oh, yes. Just, just for the listeners, just explain <laughs> what social engineering is and, and, <laughs> yeah, and what it is because honestly, that like blew my mind. I'm like, I'm just, I right. can just see how so, people would fall for this all day long. I'll give you the best example here. Um, let's say I wanted to get access to your network, or I wanted to drop a digital bomb in your network. I'd need to somehow physically or virtually get access. So how do I do that? I have access to Facebook. I'll friend you on Facebook, or I'll friend your friends on Facebook, and you'll see I'm a common friend, and you'll add me. And I'll start putting these little questions out there. Your, without offending anybody, your maiden name and the name of your first dog is your porn star name. So what's your porn star name? Now they've got the name of your first dog and they've got your maiden surname. Then they'll say, if you people, with, people answer these questions they all the time. It. All they day, every it, day. Yeah. Because all day, it's a game. I know what my name yeah. is. And, and you, you're not yeah. appreciating, you're yeah. giving away important yeah. information. It was that Russian face is, agent thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you've got something as simple as, um, oh, here's, here's a horoscope. Whatever month you're born in, 
tells you what um, sign you are or tells you what um, what character you are, let's say. Comment below with your character. So you'll write, for example, you're born in December, your character is Mickey Mouse. Now they know you're born in September, uh, December. <laughs> then they'll send another one to say, if you bark with, bank with Barclays Bank, press this link, you could be due a thousand pounds in underpaid uh, interest for the past decade. Click that, then I know you bank with Barclays Bank because you've clicked the link. So just by having you online for about half an hour, bored, clicking away, thinking oh, I'm just being a bit, having a bit of fun online. I know your mother's maiden name. I know your pet's name. I know what month you're born and I know what bank you bank with. I'll send you an email to say, Andy, your Barclays Bank account is low on funds. Click here to see how many funds are available in your account. Or um, here's an update to our terms and conditions. Click here. Most people don't. Or your account is overdue. Something which needs a bit of urgency. Your account is overdue. There you go. You'll click the link. Um, to verify who you are, here is your maiden name. Here is your security password as your pet's name. And here's the month you were born in. Oh, yeah, they know me. They've, they've got all my details yes. correct. I'm right in. I might even put my bank account details in, my social security number, my NRA number, my card details, what have you. But even better, they've got you to do something via your email. So now they know you're responding to your emails and you're active on your emails. They're going to send you another link to say, we've verified your details or something of the sort. Click here and you'll click that link. As you click that link, it now downloaded a digital bomb onto your computer without you realizing. Most of the time, it's ransomware. What they can now do is have full access to your network if it's not set up securely. They can digitally lock all of your files and ask you for a ransom of pick a number out of a hat and that will be the number they ask for. And unless you give it to them, you can't carry on. That's how it works. It's all social engineering. I'm so sorry. And when you lay it out like that, you know, we all sit there and think, well, I wouldn't get caught by that. But actually, no. you know, if he's dressed up in a bit of a gamification on a Facebook page mm. or yeah. your friends are sharing this stuff through WhatsApp or whatever it might be, you can see how you could get Easy. you could so get drawn easy. into it. And then I yeah. suppose from a ransomware, and, and, and the reason that came up is I've been talking to some guys recently and it seems that the dentistry seems to be on the radar at the moment for, for, for mm. ransomware attacks. And I know that I guess one of the most important things is to have your team trained to a level where they don't potentially the identify the risks of, of ransomware when it comes in so you don't get hit in the first place. But if you do get hit, what, what are the, the things you should do and the things you shouldn't do if you get hit with a ransomware attack? So ransomware specifically, the first thing you should do if you know that there is ransomware or you suspect it, switch off all of your computers, unplug everything you can from the network. That's the best thing you could do because you just don't know when it's starting and stopping. I mean, it does act extremely fast, most probably faster than you could react to it, but it could still be in your system. And just because they've locked your files doesn't mean someone's hacked in and started looking around on your network as well. Um, so switch everything off immediately, shut your servers down, unplug it if you are still a bit more conscious that maybe it's not enough, and then call your IT guys. They'll be the gurus. They'll be the guys who can solve, solve this for you fastest. Um, there is a caveat to that. Mo most people now take out the cyber security insurance policy. And if that is the case, 
Um, they'll make it a condition of their policy as well that if this scenario was to happen, you've got to call them as well as your IT guys. So they might then send their own crack team in to start dealing with this for you. Mm. But most importantly, switch everything off, call your IT guys, and if you have the insurance, call the insurers. At this stage, you don't know your exposure. You don't know if it was ransomware or not. You don't know how deep they've got into your network, what access they have to your details um, or, or your data. And you might be getting away lightly. You might not. Um, it's a difficult one at this point, but first point of call, shut everybody out, including yourselves. It might mean you have to cancel your appointments or do everything by hand. It might mean that, you know, there's going to be a massive disruption. And I'll be perfectly frank, if it is a ransomware attack, there's going to be several days of disruption ahead, um, maybe even a week or two, depending on how exposed you are. Um, don't take matters into your own hands. Don't act on emotion. It's very important. Don't start doing things thinking, oh, I'll get out of this quickly. I've seen the ransomware email. I'll pay the guys. I'll get access to my data. I'll be honest, nine times out of 10, when you pay the ransom and they send you what's called an unlock file, it doesn't work. Or it will only work for a certain percentage of your data. Then they'll ask you for more and more and more. So there's no point paying the ransom. Um, so there's no so is to say where people request an amount of money because it seems from what I'm hearing is the amount of money requested seems to be uh, relative to the business they're targeting. So I guess they understand the approximate size of the business, the value of the data, and going back to what you were saying about it being health data, they probably just do a calculation and, and say, well, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50,000 pounds, whatever it is. But what you're saying is just don't, don't, don't pay the ransom. No, there's, there's, well, even if you paid a ransom, there's yeah. no guarantee you're getting the yeah. data back. Mm -hmm. So there's no point paying it. At this point, you should be thinking, thank God, I've got all my backups in place. Uh, I've got a three-to-one backup policy, three copies of the data, two different types of medium, and at least one of those backups is off-site. Three-to-one backup, very important. Um, but that's what you've got to depend on now. And that is going to be your quickest way to get back up and running. The problem with paying the ransom is not only are you showing them that people are willing to pay, you're expanding their industry. You're giving them reason to carry on. And mm. you're now showing them that you've done it once, you'll do it again. Mm. And this is the danger of paying ransoms. The other problem is um, back in the day, if you looked at about, Crikey, let's say about six, seven years ago, we've taken on clients who've been hit by ransomware and come on our door and said, we need your help. Um, you know, about six, seven years ago, ransomware, the prices they were paying, they, you have to pay in Bitcoins, by the way. Um, <laughs> so you then have to go through a whole process of buying Bitcoins and sending it over. They were about 3,000, 5,000 pounds at best. We're now going into the hundreds of thousands of pounds. In the last, let's say, 12, 24 months, I don't know anybody who's been hit by ransomware with a request of less than £100,000. So wow. unless Huge you've got that kind of money you're happy to throw away, it's not worth it. Would you not rather turn around and say, you know what, inevitably, I'm going to be hit by ransomware. Now, I don't want to throw £100,000 away, but let me spend 10% of that over so the next five to 10 in years. Yeah, yeah, invest it into it. your business, mm. invest it into your protection. Mm. 
look at backups as just another insurance mm. policy for your Going back to the social engineering piece, Harry, uh, that, that's human weakness. So yeah. I assume the way you get caught with ransomware is it's, it's human weakness, human error. It's, you know, a human being does something um, which then creates the opportunity for them to sneak in. This isn't just yeah. a technology-driven given access. It's, it's somebody clicking on something. So I assume that training and awareness within a team is an important thing as well. And yeah. how regularly should that take place? How do people best access training to make sure that it it's something that people are constantly aware of? Because we all go on courses and in that moment you come back and you, oh yeah, I must remember that. And then, you know, three months later, you kind of, you know, you still dropped off your radar a bit. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of things from an IT perspective we can do to protect the network. Um, we have a 40 point plan of protecting clients' networks. And we go through all of them one by one with clients. Now, one of those points is user training. Users are the biggest weakness in any network. Sad to say they're an essential part of the network, otherwise there would be no need for a network, um, unless you're uh, 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 doing a Tesla uh, factory, then there's all run by robots. But I digress. Look, users are the biggest, the weakest link in the network. You'll bring USB keys in. Your friend's emailing you, oh, here's a great horoscope, click on it. Your UPS link, which you're expecting a parcel for, may not be UPS. You click it and it opens up to be something else and virus explodes on your network. So yes, users are the biggest and weakest link. Several things you can do to protect yourself. Training is just one of them. Now, I believe users should be trained at least once a year. They're going to get fed up a bit more often if, if you train them more than that. Um, that doesn't mean it stops. Uh, I, I mean, in-person training, somebody to show them. But every couple of weeks, every month or something, you could drop them an email to say, guys, here's a new thing which is out. Just a reminder, don't open emails which uh, don't belong to you or you're not expecting from UPS, don't open it. Um, or please don't use USB drives in the company. Once so often, there's no harm in sending out these emails. Um, but they are the weakest link. So as IT companies, we expect that. So we try to secure everything as much as we can before it gets to the users. Uh, to give you an example, we try and filter out all the crap out of emails as much as we can before it gets to you. Email filters are perhaps one of the most important things. Um, and it'll take out attachments, take out links, anything which they, uh, the email filter suspects is anything dodgy before it gets to you. So there's little thinking needed on your part of is this for me or not? It's been done for you. Antivirus software, something very simple. I implore people not to use the free ones available online or the cheap ones. They are free because they don't do that great a job. They're designed for home users. Pay for a decent product. You will get the reward in multiples. Um, so a good email filter, a good antivirus filter, um, a good firewall. And gone are the days where a firewall is something geeky where mm -hmm. someone puts at the edge of a company network to stop everyone coming in. It's now filtering all of your data. So it will look at every website you go to visit, give it a score and say, this is dodgy website. This is not. It will look at entries to, which you use to get to the website and say, this is on a blacklist. We're not going to let the user go there. And if they want to, they have to escalate it. So it's scanning absolutely everything, not only coming in, but also going out so it knows. Um, it, they, they also have um, this uh, new product, well, not so new, but new for users, 
data loss prevention. So if you have a malicious employee, that, that could not physically be a person, but it could be a robot put on your system to send data out. It starts scanning and says, that's a lot of data going out, which is unusual for this type of data to go out. We'll put a block to it. Um, so it puts blocks to things like ransomware because it sees that a lot of data is going out or hacked data. So very important. Firewalls are no longer preventing people from coming into your network or not only doing that. It's now preventing outgoing traffic mm. on your mm. network as well. It's mm. very important to look at little things like this, which protect the users, which means that you're putting as least responsibility on the weakest link of your network mm. as you possibly can. Take the thinking out of their hands, put all the other protections in place, and that will pretty much fix it. And a point on this ransomware or antivirus software, just because you got hit today doesn't mean it came into your network today. You could have been sleeping on your network for several months with a timed delay to go off. Think of it like a normal bomb. It's a timed delay to go off. So you don't know it's there until it's actually gone off. And that's the most important thing. You could have prevented that for three months. You didn't know it was in your network. It was still snooping around, doing what it had to. It's only when it triggered that everything started to explode. So little things like that, user protection, but user training is also just as important there, yeah. Well, it's, it's really yeah, scary absolutely, stuff. Really. Absolutely fascinating. And in many ways, it's whilst we're specifically talking about you know, ransomware and IT, I think lots of the things we've talked about will help people manage non-IT crisis as well because it's that thing about being prepared, mm. planning, making sure your team yeah. know what to do, you know, what should you do, what shouldn't you do. Because, you know, I was talking to um a guy's got some dental practices in London the other day and he had a burst pipe, he had a leak. So he had a flood in his practice, you know, a completely different sort of crisis. But yeah. you still need to have that kind of disaster plan in place what to make sure, do? what do I do? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? Well, you should turn the water off. You know, it's, it's stupid yeah. things. Yeah. You know, who do you need to let know? You know, do you need to cancel patients? What pe- members of your team need to know about it? So, like I said, whilst this is specifically IT, mm. I think crisis come at us in different shapes and forms. Um, but it's good just to get a steer specifically on IT because we are becoming so much more reliant on it. You know, in the last yeah. year, we've been using it in so many I, different ways. I think ways. for me, part of IT is the fact that you don't even know you're using it. Yeah. So it sort of becomes that just forgotten thing, doesn't it? It yeah. always works. I, I know with my son, it's quite funny. I, I, obviously, I'm of a certain age where technology, when it first came, quite often didn't work. So therefore, I'm reasonably prepared for when something doesn't work because mm. sometimes it doesn't work. But he gets very frustrated because most technology nowadays so works. So, <laughs> so, 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 so it's so plug and play now, yeah. isn't it? You know, in the old days, you know, if yeah, something didn't yeah. work, it was like, oh, yeah, it's not working. We'll have to turn it off, turn it back on, see what happens. Whereas now, when something doesn't actually work, people get massively frustrated because 99.9999% yeah. of the time it just does what it's supposed to do. And I think that that sort of almost builds in this, you forget about it. It's yeah. a bit like air. Yeah. You know, we all think need about- oxygen and air, but we don't even think about yeah. it. We all use IT, yeah. whether it's phones or laptops or whatever, uh, you know, even telephones now. Yeah. And they're IT. Oh, they? good, they're not yeah. telephones yeah. anymore. Yeah. If you think about any crisis, like you said, Andy, absolutely. Imagine like <clears> a car crash, for example almost immediately people kind of figure out what they have to do. You know, I've got to take the details down and maybe take some photos, call the insurance company. Do I need my car recovered or can I drive home? What do these things come to us naturally? 
but not many people experience the IT disaster. And I think that's one of the main reasons most people should have a documented disaster mm. recovery plan. And that is going to be the plan. God forbid you're going to have a disaster. You know it's going to happen whilst you're on holiday in Dubai and your whole team is sitting mm. there thinking, what do I do? Running around like headless chickens, like I haven't got a clue what to do. All you have to do is open up this folder. It's sitting on there in page 15. That's our documented plan. Would you, would you have it on your computer or would you have a hard copy? Both. <laughs> it's on the computer. Oh no, the computer's not working. Where's disaster recovery? Oh no, nightmare. Exactly. No, best case scenario, we have it on ours. So you just call us or, or your IT company also have it documented. Call them, they'll tell you exactly what to do. I think that would be the best point of call. But the important thing is don't panic. The worst has happened. Don't panic. Let's try and resolve from it and you will you, you will have to be a little patient in in this kind of scenario if you're hit with ransomware for example um it's not a quick solution or an overnight solution it, it's going to take a little while to get and you know i can confirm that you are on speed dial in our phones eric yeah. in case anything ever goes wrong because we've experienced when things don't work <laughs> Well, I hope the listeners take a lot from this. And mm. what I hope people don't do is kind of, you know, skip over and say, oh, that won't happen to me. Because yeah. that's it's never going to happen to that, me. Those are the sorts of things that do happen to you. And I think putting some planning in place and having some systems to protect you in the unlikely event of it happening. Because like you say, IT is incredibly reliable. It might not go wrong, it, 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 but it might be a failure or it might be a malicious attack. But whatever it is, we're now so reliant on IT, we need to make sure that there's a system that brings as much of that data back as quickly and in the condition that it, that it was prior to the, to the crisis as swiftly as possible. Yeah. So I, I think listeners will take a huge amount from this. Yeah. And like I say, if they review their own systems or, or you know, they get in touch with you, whatever it is, but people definitely should make sure think that they're, they're fit for purpose. Just think about yeah. it, isn't it? You know, don't take it for granted. It's silly, really. Absolutely. It's... it's- Sorry, just to summarize on that point, it's very simple, a procedure for them to follow. Um, Even if, and I'm not endorsing not putting any of the other protection measures in place, but as a basic model, you have to have your backups in place. And they have to be several forms of backup, not just, oh, he backs it up onto a USB drive he takes home every day. Three, two, one. That's what you want, Harry. You want a three, two, one system. Exactly that. Mm. You know, is it tested? Preferably one off-site. Yeah. You guys need a job in my office. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We've been listening. Now we've been listening. <laughs> that was it. That was as much as we know, Harry. That was it. That was it. And, and anyone who doesn't believe that these things happen and it, and it won't happen to them, if they really honestly believe it, come and spend a day or two in my office. I'll start putting some of those calls through to you of when they come in. And we can't help everybody is the honest answer. You might be one of those people which yeah. turn around and say that there's, there's nothing we can do because you didn't have these measures in place. You've lost your data. And now you've got a real hard thought about where's my business going? Mm. What am I going to do? What do I tell my staff? What do I tell my patients? How am I going to come back from this? And the sad case is some people won't. I was going to say, it's not overstepping the mark. This could ruin your business. Completely. I was thinking, what do I tell my bank? Well, yeah. (laughs) And the thing is, and even if it doesn't ruin your business to the point where, where, you lose your business, your reputation mm. could be in tatters yeah. and could take years to receive. Just go backwards, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Just go yeah. backwards. I mean, just ask yourself if you 
because we're dealing with dentists, let's ask the dentist to put themselves in the shoe of a, uh, feet of, uh, shoes of a patient. You're going to see your consultant or your GP. And your GP tomorrow turned around and contacted you to say, we had a data exposure. Your personal information is been put into the cloud and is available for anyone and everyone to see um, our IT system failed or wasn't up to scratch. How do you feel about your GP? Would you go back to that same GP for further treatment? You might have had the best doctor in the world, but the GP practice as a whole didn't do a great job at protecting your it data. It shatters your confidence, shatters right. your confidence. And it, and it's not just about the, the data breach, is it? it? It kind of shatters your confidence in everything they do. Because if there's a weakness in that area, it just makes, you question, it just makes you question everything, yeah. I mean, we're talking about, if you look at backups, we're talking about costs of maybe one or 200 pounds a month at best, mm. maybe not even that much. It's not that expensive. It's not unaffordable. So any practice not doing it really has to question their ability as a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, as, it's as truthful as that. And, and without being offensive to anybody, you really do have to think their data isn't worth to them what we think it should be worth to them if they can't spend one or 200 pounds a month mm-hmm. on backup. Yeah. So yeah. Three, two, one backups, like you said. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I learned that today. Um, no, it's, been, it's, it's been brilliant. Yeah, old Ted Rogers, isn't it? Yes. Years ago. Oh, yeah. People won't remember no, that. They won't. Yeah. Yeah. Only people yeah. of a certain age they won't will. remember Ted Rogers. They will. <laughs> no, Harry, appreciate Hands it. Up. I haven't got a clue who that is. <laughs> oh, don't, don't give me that line. And Dusty you just Bean. Pretend, you're just pretending you're young. Everyone um, will go and Google it now. Ted Rogers and Dusty they Bean. They will. So, Harry, that was brilliant. Well, towards the end of um, each episode, what we do is we ask um, a couple of questions. Um, and a couple of questions for you is, is the first one is, if you could be the fly on a wall in a situation, if you could watch a situation play out, what would it be and, and who would be in that room? Oh, do you know what? I've thought about this and I, and I really think there's a few I could go through. One of them is David Cameron's cabinet when they were th- still thinking about Brexit and the conversations they were having around this and how it went abysmally wrong. <laughs> I'd love to have been the fly on the wall because I could have written a book about how not to promote your campaign. Yeah. Um, that's the first one. But really, coming back to more recent times, I'd love to know what the government strategy is on this whole um, COVID handling. Who's doing what? Who's got which contracts and why they've got this? In fact, you know what? I don't need to be a fly on the wall. I need to be a pen in Dominic Cummins' pocket. <laughs> That's all I need. He has the best stories about Brexit so far. Nobody, uh, not Brexit, sorry, uh, uh, COVID. And nobody's got it better than him. And it's affecting us all now. You know, at the start, it may not have affected everybody. Okay, everyone went into lockdown, but financially and business-wise, it's affecting so oh, many yeah. people yeah. now. And, and yeah. I sometimes think, what are these people thinking? Mm. Some of the nonsense sometimes they come out with. And I'm not saying anybody's got it completely right, but surely in a room of, I don't know, some of the most intelligent people we think in the country, politicians, okay, some people may not agree to that. Um, one person has to jump out and say, actually, let's do it this way. But I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in some of those meetings. Yeah, and, and I guess until we're in there, uh, a lot of it is a bit like if you watch a football match, isn't it? You know, we we chip in like with a manager, and we know more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But actually, yeah. we're not. And 
I guess you have to hope these people have more information available to them than we do. And of course, we yeah. get very heavily swayed by what gets reported in the media. And, and I can only hope that, that it's such a, a challenging environment. I like to believe these people are doing the very best they can. Mm. But uh, you do question some of the decisions. That I think right. sometimes it's emperor's new clothes. Yeah. You yeah. Know, if, if someone, it, if someone is, says, is there someone who's going to go, yeah. well, let me just ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a tricky one. In, in, in all walks of life, not just in government, isn't no. it? No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Harry, thank you very much indeed for your time. I've really enjoyed no our chat. It's been fascinating. I think thank our listeners will much. get an awful lot from this. I know you're a busy guy, so, like, so we really appreciate yeah, it. Brilliant. Really good. Thank you. Thank you. I've noticed that, I just thank noticed you. that Harry strategically positioned his chair so, as you can see, his logo. Yeah. And I'd not like, come up by the top of his head. Five centimeters <laughs> lower. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I won't push myself up. No, no, see, that's no good. No, no. I'll just yeah. slouch a little bit. Yeah, no, that's, that's brilliant. That was a real Steve Carell moment <laughs> as you just slid down in your chair. That was perfect. But brilliant, Harry. Thank you very yeah, much. You really good time. time. Thank you. Thank you. Look at yourself. Cheers. You too. Take care. Bye. Well, Harry Patel, he delivered some gems for us, didn't he, today? I think the thing that got me was when you were talking about social engineering oh. and how they capture. <laughs> Information. It's so scary. Oh, it blew my mind. Were you going back through your head thinking, oh. done that, yeah. <laughs> done that, yeah. done that? And now I'm thinking, stupid, <laughs> really stupid. Didn't see why I was being asked to do it. And I hadn't, I hadn't really but, thought through all the ways in which not only do we get IT services from, from having his team, but our increased reliance on IT. And it makes me think whether people have, have upgraded their own view in terms of protecting themselves. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I think that when we started, well, when we started in business over 20 years ago and, and kind of we had a, a server and that was kind and of it. And a dial-up. Yeah, whereas now you think how aligned we are on IT and if we're not constantly investing in protecting our data and protecting mm. our clients, then actually we're, we're falling behind. I think the, th- the thing that, that it struck me again, really, is we forget that it's there. You know, it's a bit like I'm alive and I sort of don't think about being alive, but I am alive. And and we use all this IT and it's so connected in our office. You know, you you, you only have to look around oh. at how we're connected to everything. Our phones, our iPads, our laptops, our, you know, everything. Well, we've become we so forget used to it. <laughs> and also I think because it's so reliable, it's always there. Yeah. You don't, yeah. you don't ever kind of, you know, back in the early days with the internet, and like <laughs> say you dialed up or the connection drops it's out. It would, it, it would draw your attention to the fact that it's there now everything's so reliable yeah. and in many ways that's there's some danger in there as well because mm. you kind of forget that there's risks attached to it as well I, I really hope that people listen and it just makes them think hmm you know a hundred grand yeah you know if that's a hundred thousand on ransomware that's a lot of money especially off the back of uh, you know what could be a, a very tricky yeah. situation no, it, was a, it was a great episode it was a great they're good lad it was a good lad thank Excellent. you for listening to this episode of Dentology where we discuss the business of dentistry if you like what you heard please do subscribe where you found this episode that would be amazing and also follow us on Instagram <laughs>